This is Monday, the 12th of April, and we have been looking at Jude 24, especially regarding the three truths that we presented last week that have to be believed in order for us to experience the abiding, permanent presence of the blessings that come with the higher Christian life. These truths are indispensable, and they have to be believed. We've been looking at truth number one. Let me quickly give you all three of them as a reminder. Number one, you must believe that God is able, the one we're talking about today, meaning he possesses the power and ability to keep you from falling or faltering, not necessarily in your salvation, but in your life of holiness. Number two, you must remove from your mind permanently all doubt and fear that he is not willing, since he is able, to keep you from stumbling. In other words, he's willing for other people, but for some reason, just not you. And number three, once you've committed to these first two truths, you must learn to also commit yourself in total dependence to him for your safekeeping. It is his job to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And today we're going to look at the second part of Jude 24 as we begin unpacking this first truth, and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. So let's jump right in. Again, we've been looking at the first of three truths that must be believed before you can progress onto this abiding, permanent experience of the higher Christian life. In other words, not something that's fleeting, not something that comes and goes, but a personal confidence that knows that you have surrendered your life to him and he has accepted the offer of yourself. Believing these truths provides you with the confidence of knowing that God not only can, but again, quoting Jude 24, will present you faultless before the presence of his glory, not reluctantly, but with exceeding joy. The first truth, one in which you must believe God is able, really reveals how big your God is compared to how big your problems are. And later on this week, we're going to talk about that, because most of our spiritual problems are not because our problems are so big, like these insurmountable mountains that are going to crush us, but because our God is too small. And therefore, by comparison, our problem seems much bigger. And this particular truth that you have to believe cuts deep into what is the object of our faith. Is the object of our faith God? Or is the object of our faith my past experience, good or bad, success or failure, or just how I view myself? The first truth states this, you must believe God is able, in other words, he possesses the power and ability to keep you from falling or faltering, and here's the context of that, in your life of holiness, period, non-negotiable. In order for you to have an overcoming life of lasting victory over sin, you must believe God is bigger than your sin, bigger than your flesh, and provides for you the ability to say no to this flesh and yes to the Spirit. Last time we were together, we began unpacking the beginning phrase in Jude 24, which is now unto him who is able. And we did so in showing that God is able, and the word, of course, there is dudamai. In other words, he is able and has the power and strength by virtue of his own ability and resources. In other words, he is able to do anything he wants. And he can do anything he wants, not by the fact that he has power emanating from some other source he incorporates into himself, but 
because he is God. He is sovereign. He is the ever-present one. He is the I am who I am. He is there's no other God like me. He is God. And as God, his holiness and omnipotence, meaning he is all-powerful, are some of his key character traits. And the trait of sanctification, his holiness, has now come unto you and me in the person of Jesus Christ, imparted to us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that we've talked about several times. I suggest you commit that verse to memory. Jesus Christ became for us four attributes, and one of those is sanctification. And as I've shared with you before, it really doesn't get any better than this. But nevertheless, in our life of fleeting holiness and our desire to live more like Christ, there are some questions that remain. And here they are. You've probably asked these questions yourself. What is God able to do exactly, specifically, in my life? In other words, I know he spoke the world into existence and all of that. I I got that. But what can he do regarding my inability to live a holy life? I mean, how can his omnipotence reach down to me from heaven in my daily struggle with sin? Is God only concerned about the big things in life, like creating the world in seven days or parting the Red Seas or the miracles in the Old and New Testament? Or does his power and grace extend even to the little things in life, the little things in my life, in my daily life that I struggle with and often fail? What can God do for me and my constant struggle with my flesh? Where is my hope to live more like him? Those are valid questions, and I myself have asked these same questions, and I'm pretty sure you probably have too. Let's look again at Jude 24, and especially the second part of that, which is the description of what God is able to do. Now, unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Now, we talked about that word a couple days ago, and it means from falling or losing our sanctification or no longer being blameless, that he is able to keep us from those things. And number two, present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, this verse clearly states, clearly states that God is able to keep us from stumbling in order to present us faultless. But what does the stumbling mean? Is this a salvation message showing that once saved, always saved, and once I commit my life to Christ, I can never fall away from him? Or is this a sanctification message? Because after all, the end of it seems to be my holiness being presented faultless before his glory. Or is it both? Is it salvation? Is it sanctification? Or a combination of both? These are very important questions, and we're going to look at them one at a time, and we're only going to deal with one of those today. In other words, what is God able to keep me from stumbling from? Again, the Greek word translated stumbling means free from falling, blameless, and is only found in this one verse in Jude. It's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. Therefore, we're unable to see how it's used elsewhere in Scripture to help us get a deeper understanding of how this word is used. But in secular Greek writings, the word is used, and it means sure-footed as a horse who does not stumble. 
So it appears that stumbling could apply to both our eternal security in him, something in the future, and also in our ability to live a sanctified, holy life in the present. And in the context of Jude's letter, it could also mean in the future and in the present of God being able to keep us, keep his children from succumbing to the apostasy Jude warned them about. Either way, God is able to finish what he began in each of us, which is to make us complete in him, according to Colossians 2.10, an amazing verse, and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory. Let's look at the first one. Let's look at salvation, and tomorrow we'll talk about sanctification. In regards to our salvation, Jesus spoke to this very issue of God being able to keep us from stumbling in John 10, but he spoke regarding him being the good shepherd and you and I being his sheep. Here's what he said in John 10, 27 through 29. Please watch this carefully. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That's gnosko. I know them passionately. I know them intimately. I place my favor upon them. My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. I give them the gift of eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand or take from them what I've given to them, or they will lose what I have already provided for them. I will keep them from stumbling or falling or faltering in their eternal life. Then he goes on to say, there's even something greater than not snatching him out of my hand. It's snatching them out of my father's hand. Here's what he said. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So when it comes to salvation and eternal security and the application of this Jude 24 verse, keeping us from stumbling regarding losing our salvation, we see clearly in John 10 that that can never happen because we're held not only in the hands of Christ, but also in the hands of his Father. So in this sense, keep you from stumbling would refer to the security of our salvation in both the hands of Jesus and the Father. So how secure are we? Well, Jesus says, no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And for most of us, that should pretty much settle the eternal security issue. But what about stumbling in our life of sanctification and holiness, which we all do? We have faith to believe that God can keep us from stumbling and losing our salvation by succumbing, again, to the context in Jude, to apostasy, but do we believe that he's also able to present us holy and sanctified and keep us holy and sanctified in him? What does God do to make sure we fulfill our purpose in salvation? And by the way, in case you don't know what that is, Romans 8.29 clearly tells us why God chose us and why he predestined us because it says in 829 that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that the reason why God saved us is to make us like Christ. The reason why he gave us the Holy Spirit is so we now have the power through him to let the Holy Spirit live through us and emulate Christ, to be like Christ, to change us and to conform us into the image of Christ when we surrender to him and let him live his life through us. 
So what's God's part in all of this sanctification process? And, and what's my part? And how does he help me in my part? Where does his sovereignty in, like in salvation, God choosing and electing and uh, foreordaining us, justifying us, calling us? And then when does my free will kick in, my act of sanctification after I come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? These are very important questions, and we will dig deeper in them tomorrow. But for now, know that God is able to keep, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.12, what he has committed, what you have committed to him until that day, which is your faith leading to salvation. But he is also able, immensely able, to keep your sanctification, which leads to holiness. Rest in him today, and we'll see just how amazing and able our God is when we talk again tomorrow. I'm excited about sharing this truth with you. So until then.